Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Uh, And alas, we are recording on a Monday. Yeah, I wonder why. Listen. There's no listening. Yes. No. We need to get this going because I got to coach soccer, so we can't. Okay, fine. How was your week? Well, why don't you tell me about your week? Um, it was a week. What happened? You have nothing? Oh, we saw Endgame. No yeah. spoilers. No spoilers. It was good. Yeah, I think we should keep just to that because yeah. I think that's better for folks. Definitely go see it if you haven't. But if you haven't seen any of the other movies, then maybe watch those first. Yeah, I figure if you haven't seen any other movies, you have no interest in seeing this yeah, one. Yeah, probably, but... <laughs> um, Let's see. My week, soccer-wise, because we had a full week on the trip last week, so they only played on... I got to finally watch a Liverpool game, because I have to... I keep, like, being busy with, like, work and stuff, but I rushed home on Friday? That's right. It was last Friday, so... Um, or, yeah, it's past Friday, and they... Oh, I mean, it was just comprehensive win, 5-0. But, but Bobby Firmino was hurt. And then they play Barcelona this Wednesday for Champions League, mm-hmm. which is a bit concerning because if he's hurt, that really screws up our uh, our attack. So um, we were in the lead, but City won yesterday on 29.55 millimeters is how much the ball went over the line in the goal for them to win their game. Oh, So that right now put them back in the lead. And I thought, I thought if Burnley could just tie them, that would have been great. But... Um, but hey, they won. I don't know what else to tell you. They, you, if they win out, they deserve the title. Um, it's by a game of millimeters because when Liverpool played City way back, when City beat them, the only loss that Liverpool has, Mane had a goal that almost crossed the the line, and it was like twenty nine point five five millimeters the other way. That it just that's how much of the ball was on the line. So it's a matter of millimeters, not inches anymore. Well, I guess it's also British, so it's metric. So it's. <laughs> But um, so now there's only two games left. City's got a point ahead. We play on Saturday at Newcastle in the Premier League, and City plays on Monday actually at home against Leicester. And I don't know. Leicester City plays a very open, um, open soccer, which will play right in the hands of City. So I don't know. The last game then is they play the last game of the season. It's on the May twelfth. Every game is played at ten a.m. So that way no one can like throw a game. So no one knows what's going on. They're all playing exactly at the same time. So it'll be 10 games mm. going on um, at once. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so I mean, now it's Champions League next. So that's what the focus is on. Barcelona, tough game. It's at Barcelona. But if we can score some goals, if we can get, just, if we can get a tie out of it and with a goal or two scored, then I'll feel very comfortable <laughs> getting to the final. Um, yeah, but end game, that was it. And then let's see, anything else do we see? I watched. <laughs> oh. I watched Aquaman yesterday because I. Yeah, I did my homework upstairs. When we so if you do, I don't know if anybody does this, but if you do Fandango um, and you buy your tickets to them, 
basically um whenever we go see all the marvel movies and all that we do it in a big group with uh with our neighbors and mm -hmm. uh you get a bunch of points on that so i had this discount code for five bucks so I was, and i had to use it before the end of the month so i was like oh, i'll just rent aquaman in ultra <laughs> hd because uh, i don't want to spend my own money on it but um i watched it yesterday and oh man i guess you and your mom could hear it <laughs> they're like the, the, you yeah, just without watching you were like bit. it was so bad but momo was great amber heard is Sophia Coppola from The Godfather. It is so bad. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to say. Like, I mean, uh, it, I don't know how it got the reviews it got. There's a reason Jason Momoa is on the top of the Momoa scale. No, I, again, but he had terrible dialogue as well. So if I Ross just, ever listens to this episode, he'll he'll understand. But nobody else understands. There you go. All I know is that it was bad. So yeah. So um, yeah. Then other than that. Uh, my eighth grade soccer team has won two games in a row, so I just want everybody to know that we went, we lost every game last, last, last uh, fall. But the spring, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, we even scored goals, which is, <laughs> so I, I, I'm psyched for them because they're doing really, really well and they're playing, playing good soccer. But uh, and they deserve it; they're a good bunch of kids. But yeah, other than that, that's pretty much all I have. All right, then I guess let's jump right into the stories. Wait, and you're doing true crime? Yes. Okay. I'm doing it. Mine, mine is an urban legend. It's not in between. I was at first thinking that, but then I'm like, no, this is to totally an urban legend. Okay, yes. let's let's hear your story. Okay, so uh, as I said, it's true crime. Uh, I've got a serial killer for you. Um, Ooh, and I, it seems simple in the beginning, and then when you get towards the end, it's just insane. Okay. Uh, so, February 2nd, 22nd. Starting off on a great note. Anyway, February 22nd, uh, 1968. All right. Uh, Patricia Docker, a 25-year-old auxiliary, auxiliary nurse, informed her parents uh, that she was going to spend the evening at the Majestic Ballroom on Hope Street in Glasgow, Scotland. Okay. So, I don't know if I... Oh, I have to share this with you, but you can go to the first um, picture in two seconds. All right, you got them? I do. Okay, so first picture is of Patricia. Uh, so for the majority of the evening, however, she was in the Berland Ballroom, which is the next picture. Okay. Um, and then when she didn't return home, her parents assumed that she had decided to spend the night with a friend. Fair enough. Uh, the next morning, though, a man on his way to work found Patricia's body in the doorway of a garage that was not far from her home. So, okay. Oh, uh, wow. So she was naked and placed only yards from her house. Like, I, yeah. So very close. Uh, her body showed evidence of extreme blunt force trauma, especially on her face and head. Oh. Her cause of death, however, was determined to be from strangulation, possibly with a belt. Okay. Um, her handbag, watch, clothes, and clothes were all missing from the scene, uh, and her handbag was later recovered from the river cart, uh, which is, I, I googled it and then I forgot to put it in, but it's a thing. Uh, and her watch was found in a pool of water close to the crime scene. Okay. So during the initial investigation, uh, police sort of went door to door to just see if anyone had witnessed anything. 
and a woman living near the crime scene said uh, she heard a woman scream, leave me alone, on the night of the murder. Ugh. So, uh, the day after being found, Patricia was identified by her father. Oh, man. And the autopsy confirmed that she had been strangled to get to death. Like right. Confirmed. Uh, and she had not been sexually assaulted. Gotcha. So, strangled and then beaten. Yeah, I beaten think she was a... beaten first, actually, and okay. then strangled. But she didn't die from the wounds. Um, she died by strangulation? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, fast forward to August 16th, 1969. All right, so about almost six months later? Yes. Wait, no. no the wait, other was... one was 1968. Oh, so it's a year, 18 yeah. months later. Yeah. Okay. A while later. Uh, and this was a Saturday. Hmm. Uh, this one, 16th. This one is a Saturday. Okay. Uh, uh, Jemima McDonald, uh, a 32-year-old mother of three, spent the evening at the Barrowland Ballroom. And you can go to the next picture. That's her. Mm-hmm. They kind of look similar. Yes, they do. They all have sort of a similar look about them. Uh, so her sister, Margaret O'Brien, uh, took care of her kids for her. Uh, and it should be said for Patricia, she was going to the Barrowland Ballroom. They had like sort of like an over-25s like secrecy night where... If you were married, you sort of like quietly slipped off your ring and like mingled, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like that. So do was it on your own or you came it like was, as a swingers thing? No, it was on, on your own. Okay. So it was sort of like a, I don't like not. So it it's basically like if you want to cheat on your spouse, come to this event. Pretty much. Got it. Um, but like the ballroom sort of had that reputation anyway. So Barrowland was like the Ashley Madison of the six, late sixties. I don't know that reference. Okay. So sure. <laughs> um, so as the evening went on, uh, Jemima struck up a conversation with a young, well-dressed and well-spoken man described as quote of slim build aged between 25 and 35 and between six feet and six foot two in height. Okay. Uh, so he had short, dark brown hair with fair streaks, uh, and he spoke with a Gla- Glaswegian accent. Okay. And, quote, occasionally inserted brief biblical quotes in his conversation. Okay. Uh, and so shortly after midnight, uh, Jemima left the Barrowland with the man, mm-hmm. heading either towards Main Street or Landrecy Street, which I'm not sure the exact geography, but I assume it was sort of like on the way home. Yep. Because on the way to her home, her home, yes. Yep. Because later she was seen walking in the direction of her home. Okay, uh, and that was about at like twelve forty a.m. So later that morning, Margaret became concerned that Jemima had not returned home, and as the day progressed, began to hear rumors from locals that young children had been seen quote leaving a derelict tenement building uh, in McKeith Street, discussing discussing a body in the premises. Uh, brother. So then uh, on Monday, uh, the day after, yep. uh, Margaret decided to check the building herself. Okay. Uh, she was, I mean, it could have been like, oh, all these kids like making up all these things, you know? Yeah, I got it. I'm just thinking your, your sister's missing. You have her kids. You hear these rumors and you're like, oh, I'll just do it myself. Now I won't call the police. Yeah, and I mean, she could be thinking like, ah, you know, 
I don't want to bother the police with something no, like no. this. No, no. I was thinking like she might be thinking that the kids are just like making something up. Yeah, but again, her sister's not home still. Like it's that Monday is true. now. Is it, I, we're talking I Saturday. I don't Sunday, know Monday. her okay. thinking, All right. but anyway. She entered the abandoned place and discovered her own sister's, quote, extensively battered body lying face down. I mean, that's awful that she had to find that. I still don't understand why she didn't call police. I mean, she did afterwards, so. Okay. Uh, So Jemima's shoes and stockings lay beside her corpse. And the autopsy concluded that she had been raped and beaten, especially in the face, before being strangled to death. All right. And her murder had occurred about 30 hours before she was discovered. Okay. Uh, So she was wearing clothing, unlike Patricia, uh, but her underclothing had been torn. Uh, And the police again went door to door looking for information. And they found a woman who claimed that she heard female screams on the night of the murder, but could not recall the precise time. So initially, the two murders were not believed to be commi- to have been committed by the same person. Yep. Although the police did notice the, the similarities, yep. which were both had attended the Berlin Ballroom on the eve of their murder. Both had been beaten, then strangled with like some sort of like outside thing. Uh, both had their handbags stolen, and both were on their periods. Um. Uh, which I didn't mention before, but both were on their periods. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, that will come into play. Later. I was going to say, is that, uh, all right, fair enough. Yeah, it's. It, I couldn't figure out like how that could have contributed to it, but then later like they start to discuss it. So Patricia's murder quickly grew cold, and po- like police had little information uh, because there were not many witnesses and there wasn't any hard evidence. So... On October 31st, 1969, uh, 29-year-old uh, Helen Potok was found dead by a man walking his dog. So, on a, I get it. All right. On okay. Halloween. So, you can go to the next picture. That's her. The, the Brits don't really celebrate Halloween. Oh. They may have later. Because I was saying if you found it on Halloween, it's different than like the day after Halloween. That's true. But go ahead. Well, she was discovered beside a drain pipe in the back of her Earl Street flat. So this says she never went to Barrowland. No, she did. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so she was partially naked and beaten extensively on her face. Uh, officers concluded that she had been raped, then strangled to death with her own stocking. All right. And they didn't know that, like, Jemima was strangled. They just didn't, was it her stocking? They knew that she was strangled with something other. I think they thought it was her stocking as well. Uh, So Helen's handbag was also missing, and its contents were scattered close to her body. Uh, And a man's cufflink was also found among the Hmm. things scattered. And that will come into play later. So grass stains on her shoes and feet uh, suggested that she had struggled against her attacker. Yeah. Uh, and evidence was also found that she had tried to find to climb a nearway, nearby railway embankment. Okay. So her body had a deep bite mark uh, on her right upper thigh. Okay. Uh, and she was also on her period at the time, and the killer had placed her pad underneath her left arm. Okay. So um, on the previous night, 
Helen had gone with her sister, Jean Langford, to the Maryland Ballroom. Oh, my God. Uh, both of them had met different, like, two different men named John. Um, one of these men claimed he worked as a slater in Castle Milk, which is a dr- district of Glasgow. And the other was a, quote, well-spoken man who never said where he lived. Okay. Uh, so after an hour, the four of them left the ballroom. They left together? Yes, all four of them. Okay. So, uh, Jean's dance partner, so one of the Johns, left in a taxi, and then the remaining three of them got their own taxi, um, to go off to, to be dropped off at their respective houses. Okay. So, um... During the investigation, Jean told the police that during the ride, uh, the man repeatedly quoted the Old Testament. Uh-huh. And he had also referred to the Barrowland as, quote, an adulterous den of iniquity, as well as his, uh, quote, disapproval of married women visiting the premises. And these two were... I believe... Um, I know Jean was a mother. I'm not sure if she was married or okay. not. She might have been separated or something, right. but I don't know. So, so, um, wait, so Jemima, I understand, was married, but she, her husband wasn't in the picture, right? Mm-hmm. I think all of them were like married, at separated. One point. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm not, I don't think any of them like okay. were really married, married. So Jean described the man as being tall, slim, and well-dressed with reddish or fair hair uh, rounded neatly in the back. Okay. Uh, so you can go to the next picture. That's just sort of the sketch that they did. That's of him. a sketch. Yeah, I know. Holy. It's so well done. Um, and then the next one is just sort of like a newspaper. Okay. And they ca- started calling him Bible John because of all the like the Bible quotes and stuff. Yep. So um, she also said that he was aged between twenty five and thirty. He was about five ten. Uh, and that he had overlapping front teeth. Okay. So Jean also said that she felt during the ride that her presence was becoming an inconvenience to him. All right. Uh, and he told the women during the ride that he didn't th- that he didn't drink. Uh, he said, quote, I don't drink at Hogmanay, I pray. And Hogmanay is basically the New Year celebration gotcha. in Scotland. So uh, at about 2 a.m. Uh, on October the 31st, uh, oh, I forgot to say that Jean was dropped off, um, and then at her house, and then the taxi with John and her sister kept going to Helen's house. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, so at 2 a.m. on uh, October 31st, a night service bus conductor had noticed a man matching this description. He was in a, quote, noticeably disheveled state. Okay. He had mud stains on his jacket and a red mark on his cheek beneath one of his eyes. And he repeatedly was, quote, tucking a short cuff of one sleeve into his jacket sleeve. Oh, so he had some, okay. Like he was missing a cuff link. Yep, maybe. yep, yep, yep. So, let's get into our suspects. Okay. First, we have John White. Uh, he... John White was not his actual name. Okay. Uh, he was arrested after arguing with a young woman in the Barrel and Ballroom and was released soon after because his teeth did not overlap. All right. 
one of the officers even said that he was their best suspect yet, but just because of the teeth thing, they just allowed him to go. So he was previously arrested outside the ballroom uh, during the time of the murders, and he had to be taken to the hospital because his head was severely injured from an altercation before the arrest. Okay. Right. And so he that's... actually ended up having to get stitches. All right. So there's his alibi, really. <laughs> so um, as soon as his handcuffs were released, however, he escaped the hospital. Uh, and this was, again, before this second arrest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he falsely gave his name to medical staff as John White. Okay. Okay. So the next suspect is John Irvine McInnes. Okay. Uh, so... This is kind of a weird one because the real investigation didn't start until after his death. Okay. Well, I mean, it started before his death, but like the real, real investigation right. started right. until after. Uh, so they excavated his body. No, exhumed. <laughs> Wrong word. Right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you have to excavate even though you're exhuming, so it's, yeah. True. They, <clears throat> they exhumed his body for DNA testing in 1996. Okay. Uh and so he had been a suspect, but right, never charged, right. and there wasn't, like, a lot. So they didn't have DNA at yeah. the time, so this was the point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he had committed suicide at age 41 in 1980. Huh. Um, and I'm not sure if it was because of the case or not. But uh, the DNA sample was inconclusive, and the same year, uh, he was officially cleared by the Crown. Okay. So... Uh, our lastest, at last-ish suspect, which I'll you'll, I'll clear up in All a right. second, uh, is Peter Tobin. So you can go to the next picture. All right. Oh, that looks familiar. It looks familiar, well, as in he looks to like the, that picture. Yeah. Um. So this guy, not a great dude. He lived in Glasgow at the time of the murders. Uh, he met his wife in 1969, just after the killings, in the Berlin Ballroom. Um, and the two moved to England shortly after uh, getting together. Wait, he, so I missed that part. He met his wife after the killings? Yes, after okay. the killings in the Berlin Ballroom. At one of those events? Well, it might not have been at one of those events, but right. like, he met her there. Uh, and then, fast forward to 2007... The skeletonized bodies of two teenage girls, uh, Vicki Hamilton and Dina McNichol, were unearthed in his garden. Oh, gosh. So you can go to the next two pictures. Um, oh, my God. They look just like the others. Yeah. So the first one is Vicki Hamilton. The second one is Dina. Yep. So he had killed them in 1991 when he was in his mid-40s. All right. Uh, and he was... Wait. He was in the mid-40s in 91? Yeah, that's because if he in sixty nine, he would have been twenty five. So that's twenty. Oh no, that's right. That makes sense. Yeah, my the math works. Sorry, yeah. mid forties. Yeah, yeah. Let me doubt myself. Yeah, and no, I was thinking he was going to be older, but that, that's right. Yeah. So he was also convicted of the two thousand six murder of a Polish student uh, named Angelica Kluck, who had been raped, beaten, and stabbed to death. And uh, you can look at the next picture. That's her. Um, crap. Yeah, they're all very similar. Yep. So in total, he had three wives, um, all of whom gave accounts of being, quote, repeatedly imprisoned, 
throttled, beaten, and raped wait, wait. by him. He had three wives in the t- time of 69 to 2000. Yes. And divorced two. I mean, or did yes. they, were they separate? I think he, lived he separated three separate with, lives. The one that he moved to England with, I think he separated from her. Okay. And then he got married again and separated okay. and married okay. again. But all three of them said, said yeah, he was extremely right. abusive. Uh, and they also all said that he would be driven to extreme physical violence by periods. What? And I think they were talking about because, like, he would want to have sex or something, and then they were like, no, I'm on my period, I don't want to, and then they'll be like, he would get really angry about it. Oh, my gosh. And they think that the women that he killed was, like, he had tried to, like, you know, come on to them, and they were like, no, I don't want to, I'm on my period. And then so, but, okay. So, all right. So maybe that you're saying for 18 months in between when he killed those other two that he just happened to be able to hit on women that were not. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's kind of weird because he never ended up getting uh, in prison for these murders. They didn't connect him to it. To them, uh-huh. But it's thought that he's the killer. Did he have an overbite? Um, I don't know. But the, the overlapping tooth thing is kind of like shaky evidence oh, anyway. Okay. All right. It wasn't like he definitely had overlapping teeth. It was just like some people said that he didn't at all have all overlapping right. teeth. Okay. Um, so he was also known to be extremely religious. Uh, he was Roman Catholic. And the pseudonym, the pseudonym that was given to Jean Langford and Helen Pudock by the killer was John Semple, which was one that he was known to use regularly, apparently. Which I don't know why he was known to use it if it's a pseudonym, but... So, he's currently serving three life sentences in um, in prison, obviously, uh, for the 1991 and 2006 murders. All right. But there are two other uh, disappearances slash murders that he is a suspect in. Okay. So, the first one is uh, April Fab, who uh, was 13, and she disappeared on April 22nd, 1955. Okay, so he would have been a lot younger then. Yeah, so she's... You can go to the next picture. That's her. Oh, not um, the same. Yeah, and then also questioned about this dif- disappearance was child murderer Robert Black. Okay. And um, you can go to the next picture. Mm-hmm. That is Patricia Morris, 14, who disappeared on June 16th, 1980, uh, and was found dead two days later. And so um, another suspect in her murder is Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, uh, who you may or may not have heard of. Yeah. And then also Robert Black was sus- was a suspect in this case as well. And also um, in the 1978 disappearance of 13-year-old Jeanette Tate. Um, but so, yeah, they suspect they... Uh, he's sort of like a suspect, but they well, don't... He seems like a lot more because of just the religious aspect and the other parts but you know who knows if, the, if his ex-wives are just bad-mouthing him so it could be circumstantial yeah. um yeah but so the manhunt for bible john uh has gone down as the most exten- uh, extensive in scottish criminal history uh and the murders remain unsolved and the case remains open so you can go to the next picture it's just a side by side of him around that time and the sketch yeah, no, it, there's, looks, there are similarities there. Yeah, definitely some similarities. Huh. But, yeah, so he's in jail, just not for these murders. That's that's terrible. Yep. 
Wow. All right. I never heard of that. But um, and also that one uh, was suggested by Jackie. Way to go, Jackie. I like that one. That was a good one. So yeah, that was a very good one. I had never heard about it yeah. either. Well, that's cool. But yeah, let's hear your urban All legend. Right. Well done. All right, so mine is an urban legend. Um, it's funny because we go through that whole thing about what's in between in our urban legend. And I feel like now in between was like sharks. Um, yeah. I feel like in between is like your um, alien abduction type things. Yeah, I think um, that's pretty in between. So this is an urban legend. Um, it's a it, it's a uh, college ur- urban legend. <laughs> um, wow, perfect and, timing. <laughs> and this is one that was told to me that freaked me out when I was – a senior so i'm gonna go through it in and high school in high school yeah oh my and God. um and i'll go through my sources if i give go give my sources right now i think i know i'm pretty sure you've heard this urban legend it's pretty it's a well-known one um but you'll when i you'll see what happens and um i and again i had to add color because if i didn't it'd be like 10 minutes long because <laughs> you know there's the story itself and there is a um couple basis ba- base Bases, bases, bases. I, I could not tell you. <laughs> There's a couple um, of stories that this could be related to that started it. I would say. Hmm. Um, so as I was saying, this was something that was told to me. I was already entering senioritis in high school, so I'd already been accepted <laughs> to college. Um, I think it was April, and it's I April right now. I was accepted and I did um I had done early decisions so I was going to go to a weekend orientation on campus just staying with a student um mm-hmm. for two reasons one thing was for soccer one was just to see it and I think they were trying to do the hard push for me as well because I got early um decision but I hadn't uh, committed yet and I was going I mean like I knew I was going but I was like eh, if I'm gonna get a weekend <laughs> why not <laughs> that's yeah true um now, what's weird is I don't remember who told me the story. I don't know if it was one of my classmates um, or if it was a family friend. Um, I, w- I would say it'd be hard because I would say most of my Indian family friends weren't <laughs> into like any of this kind of stuff. They would be like, hey, did you get in your SATs? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, they wouldn't be into anything cool, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, I've just offended <laughs> all these people. Um, Doesn't count. You're Indian. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, so... It wasn't a firsthand account either for what people were going to be telling me. You know, like they basically again, that's what they what they heard. But here's how it hit. It went right. Like the conversation would start something like this. And like so, you know, are you, are you ready for college? You know, are you, are you there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, how would I know? Um, and, and where are you going again? I'm like going to Lafayette. I'm like, huh, where's that again? It used to piss me off. They're like I'm like Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, and again, they knew, well, they had to know because the, what about the story about to tell me had to deal with that area, the Lehigh Valley. Oh no. So they then of course, like, Oh yeah, yeah. Right. You're doing some kind of engineering, of course. And I, as you know, basically (laughs) I had no choice. It was, you're going to an engineering school, you're pick, what you get to pick one of the hardest ones, either mechanical or electrical. So, um, I was saying to them, yeah, yeah, no, my, I really didn't have a choice. (laughs) It was engineering. I picked Lafayette good engineering school, smaller campus. I, I didn't travel to see the campus, but, you know, I heard enough about it. Um, plus, I also knew that no one from high school, I think, was actually going to Lafayette. <laughs> Perfect um, way to choose. Uh, and then I get that 
that dig from people who knew engineering. So maybe this wasn't more of the Indian folk than it was somebody else. But they'd be going, oh, wait, yeah, you didn't get into Lehigh? Because Lafayette and Lehigh are the most crazy... Uh, like competitive? Uh, yeah, rivals. And they're, they have one of the oldest college football rivalries. I think Yale Harvard may be the oldest, or there's another one that may be, but Lafayette Lehigh, when I was there, it was in their 125th or whatever it was. Wow. So it's it's old. Um, and Lehigh is a much bigger university, much uh, more well-known. It, mm-hmm. And because it's a university, they have you can get your master's or your PhD. Lafayette's a college. It's just undergrad. Um, so uh, <laughs> that always, again, would just tick me off about <laughs> that whole thing. Um, and it, it the rivalry was definitely football, but it was also a nerdy rivalry about which engineering school was better. It was like better, yeah. Yeah, right. And... Of course, I defend my choice of going, yeah, no, no, I, Lafayette's better for all, I don't actually I can't remember what my reasons were, but I just, you know, it, it, it definitely got under my skin. And um, I did have a friend, I had a good close friend that was going to Lehigh for engineering. And then I think there was a couple of their kids that weren't super close um, that were going there as well. Um, so... We go back and forth, you know, they were mocking me about why it's a, the wrong decision, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they get the tone slightly changed and it became kind of darker and solemn. And they would be basically following up with like, well, yeah, that's probably better. You know, he didn't go to Lehigh because you know what happened. And I'd be oh. like, what? You know, what are you talking about? And there was a story. So at the time, um, Lee at Lehigh there was an uh, alcohol poisoning a student had died oh wow um and they were I mean I'm not saying all co- schools were party schools but I th- I'm, I know Lafayette was more of a party school than I think Lehigh was at least I had heard that kind of thing not that I was a party or anything <laughs> like that but um but when that happened um the, the the almost all the campuses in that area went dry like you know like there was fraternities and stuff like that so if you got caught with alcohol and minors were at parties. You were you'd get stripped of maybe of your um, fraternity, uh, the housing, whatever it may be. It was it was like they came from one extreme to the other. So wow. it was a huge big deal. So of course I'm kind of like, you know, I heard about that, but I'm not a drinker. Like I didn't even drink at all, really. <laughs> so um, you know, it doesn't matter to me if it's a dry campus or not. And that's when they would basically say, I'm not, no, 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 we're not talking about that. And we all know that you don't drink, you nerd. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and don't drink. Yeah, don't drink. <laughs> all in moderation, you know. Um, but they would go on and they basically tell me that, no, about the, the freshman girl, you know, the one in the dorm. I was like, what? So now I've always been to horror films and to all these crazy things. And now I was in Hook, Line, and Sinker. So they would go on to tell me, about this following urban legend. Do you know? Not yet, I don't. I, okay. All right, so, like I said, I'm gonna add a little bit more color to this because it would be five minutes long, <laughs> 10 minutes long. So this family, mm-hmm. sending their youngest child to college, mm-hmm. all right? Daughter, the family had two other sons that were in college already or one was I think about to graduate but the way it must have worked out I think they were a couple years apart mm-hmm. um, the name of course when we were told or when the story was going through I don't remember exactly but I feel like it was Mary was the name that's a good urban legend yeah. name. <laughs> uh, they were from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they were 
close to Lehigh Valley, but they knew of Elise Lehigh. The other two boys, the older bo- her the Mary's older brothers, were in college in New Orleans, New Orleans, Nolens. Um, oh my god! And uh, they, you know, so she grew up, or you know, her high school years, she'd visited her brothers. They went. Parents went for Parents Weekend. They went for some breaks. I think they so they even spent maybe a Thanksgiving out there as a family. And the parents were kind of like, "This is not." They didn't find it the safest place, kind of thing. So she was not set on going there, okay. um, but it was like a known thing for her. So she felt familiar, comfortable. Her brothers would be there, all sort of things. But her parents pretty much were like, "You know, I don't think this is the right thing for you." Um, and she, not that she was a homebody, but, um, she then decided, well, okay, well, you know, I don't mind being closer to home and she wanted to be a nurse. So she was looking at nursing schools anyway. So she applied to Lehigh and she got into their nursing program, which is actually a really, really strong nursing program. I think you can actually do like the way it works. It's, um, in five years you can get your master so you do it like a combined three years undergrad two years oh that's what they do at wisely and for psychology yeah so it's 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 a good program and it's a strong program um so she got accepted and hey she started the next chapter of her life nice her she had a boyfriend and um like what happens between you know any any couples that when you're going to college it can be one or two things you know we'll see what we can do what or but he was going to California, so it had been a very long distance relationship. And yeah. they were, I guess, mature enough to basically like, like, let's just let's just be friends and let's see where what happens because, you know, it's not worth the stress. We're gonna be so far away. Yep. Um so, you know, well hopefully they'd see each other's over breaks. She hadn't met her roommate yet. And the way that is, it's usually random, like unless you know and actually even I think when we were when we were going there, you don't know. So her roommate, she found out she did uh, the exchange letters to get notified. Her name was Jenny. Um, and they, it's I think also they, a good urban legend they had a couple of phone calls um, and, you know, discussing the basic stuff like, what are you bringing? I can bring this. And you got to remember back in the day, there were a lot of rules about what were allowed in your dorm rooms. Um, you know, nothing could be nothing that would be considered like a hot fire hazard. So, like, even a toaster oven you know, a microwave, I mean, forget it, you know, basically people used to bring hot plates and even hot plates you weren't supposed to, supposed to have. So if you wanted to boil your tea kind of thing, (gasps) but, um, I guess the way I would reference this is, this is like, you know, um, just post stone age in your world. Um, no internet. I don't don't even think it was, I mean, it wasn't invented at least in the public form. I mean, I know the government used it. Exactly. It's that old. Um, but you know, as myself and others, you'd sneak in toaster ovens, you'd sneak in your hot plates. Some people, you know, would uh, could afford uh, a microwave. And if you did, you were like upper class. Um, <laughs> and if you had a TV, I mean, you were like royalty and like somehow. Hierarchies in yeah. college. Um, and now remember, this other thing. There was n- there were no phones. Like, you had a common phone in the hallway. Oh, my God. For everybody on that How floor. How did you guys live? So... And they only accepted incoming calls. If you had to call out, you had to make a collect call. And I don't even know if you know what a collect call is, but I do because we watched a movie from like the nineteen twenties. <laughs> right. So you have to basically that. say, "Well, you accept." You know, you have to say, "I would like to make a collect call," and then the person on the other end has to say, "Yeah, I'll accept the charges." Um, now you could get a phone in your room if you wanted to, but you'd have to pay. Like you'd have to, you'd have to like basically figure out how the bill was going to work. Somebody had to put in their name, all these other things. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. So. That part tests a roommate's relationship, I'll tell you right now. Because like, I remember, you know, if you wanted one, 
I mean, if I think I did, I think I had it in my name. And you have to be responsible because you had to pay on time. And usually you had to write a check because you couldn't do credit cards. People didn't have credit cards like that kind of thing. Um, and it costs a lot of money to make phone calls. I mean, at the oh time, goodness. it could be something like 10 cents a minute. Um, and if it was long distance, it could be, depending on how far you were calling, it could be like a dollar a minute. I mean, it was crazy. So, of course, the good thing was you call, hey, call me, hang up, and then you'd have your your people call you back because I don't think it, I mean, if it was your parents, it didn't matter because they were paying for a bill anyway. But at the time, that's how it used to work. You paid by the distance you were calling from and how long you were on the phone. No wow. joke. And cell phones were like that too when they started. They It wasn't like just an all unlimited calling kind of thing. Thank goodness for 2019. <laughs> but this would be, you know, this was a cause of angst and would cause a lot of roommates to basically end their relationships and again you don't know these people because you've been randomly put into a room and even if they were your friend it would maybe could end the same way so mary and jenny didn't get a phone they just were like look the expense may not and uh um or they couldn't afford the expense and they said let's just see what happens in the first semester if we think we need one later we'll look into it um so you know mary uh dropped off was dropped off by her parents well you know with them like unpacking and stuff like that and they helped her move in and everything they met jenny um and parents thought jenny was cool i mean that kind of thing mary and jenny did hit it off like joking around like they had they were psyched about the room set up and everything else um but pretty quickly they realized that their study habits and sleeping habits were not in sync and mary was pretty much all business and her parents you know this was the third child going to college she knew it was a strain on her parents um, and the sacrifices that they had been made. So she was basically all about, yeah, I gotta you know, I'm going to study. Get this worth it. And she was one of those early to bed, early to rise, usually at the library when she wasn't in class. So it's, you know, and again, it's a pretty intense program for nursing. Yeah. Nursing is, wow. Jenny was an only child. Um, and she saw college definitely is more of a party. I'm not exactly sure where she was from. Um, she was a good student though. I mean, you had to get into Lehigh. You, had to be, you, can't, you just couldn't get into Lehigh. Um, but, you know, her priority was like, hey, stay out late, sleep in, cram in your work as whenever you could, and maybe just before you had to uh, submit something. Um, wow. Mary's they, like who I want to be, and Jenny's like kind of who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had some arguments about it, and just trying to get things, and for her to, you know, be like, look, I, you can't be coming in all the times of the night kind of thing. But, um, you know, they, they figured it out. And Mary wasn't, you know an introvert she did go out weekends things like that she had a pretty decent social life she didn't have a boyfriend but she had her suitors but she never really you know dated or anything like that she was like you know i i just got here like this is all new to me i'm not looking to like get settled down with a relationship plus everything else that's coming on um as the semester came to an end she uh had an opportunity to basically intern at a hospital, hmm. which was pretty unbelievable for a freshman. Yeah. And she decided that she would take it and keep, stay, you know, pretty much for most of break on campus. And uh, her parents were kind of torn because they were like, look, you know, the baby of the, 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 of the house, not coming back for the long break, but she stayed for, uh, she got back for Christmas, but right after Christmas, New Year's, she went back to college. Hmm. Um, and the campus was pretty much empty except for those who, you know, mostly the international students or folks who were from very far away that couldn't, you know, afford to go back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of upperclassmen who were doing 
you know, other types of programs like getting, you know, or postdocs that were working on more independent projects. Her shifts at the hospital were eight hours, so it could be anywhere. It could be like the morning shift, you know, uh, late afternoon to uh, late evening, and then the, you know, midnight Midnight. shift. Um, Jenny went home for break, but quickly got bored because this was interesting. Like Lehigh, and I know for Lafayette, their breaks were really long. I mean, we would be gone for almost five weeks. You'd go out mid-December and be back third week of January, where a lot of my friends were pretty much back. It was like three weeks. It was, you know, mid-December, and then that last, you had a week of January, like the first week of January. So um, they kept in touch, and Mary was just saying how it's unbelievable how empty it is and this and that. And um, Jenny was kind of like, huh, you know, that sounds actually not too bad. Uh, no work, get to hang out on my own. I think I'm going to come back early. So Mary was like psyched because she'll have a roommate, you know, and because she was working, it wasn't like it was stressful, but it would just be good to have somebody with her in the room and she wouldn't be as alone. I mean, she had friends and that kind of thing. Right. So um, during this period of time, Mary started to notice that the outside dorm doors would get propped open every once in a while. Um, and it was usually done for like delivery, like dominoes and stuff like that. Uh, and she didn't like it. And she talked to her resident advisor about it. And the resident advisor was like, yeah, no, that's wrong. We'll, we'll make sure. And, you know, he, put, he posted flyers on the door saying, please keep all doors locked, that kind of thing. Mary was now in that late shift um, section of her, of her uh, internship. So she was, her sleep patterns were kind of odd. So she was coming home late, um, sleeping in, that kind of thing. Jenny, of course, now being back hadn't changed so she would be coming home pretty late at night so one evening jenny was out with some friends and um on a whim and actually i guess it was a new group of folks one of the people had a had a cabin mm-hmm. um out in the woods <laughs> and, oh that's uh, not gonna end well um she they were all like hey let's just go i mean we have nothing let's just head out to the cabin we can maybe we can hang we can ski we can do whatever it is so Jenny's like, I'm in, you know, I got to go back though. I have to grab my stuff out of my, out of my room. So she went back to, to the room and as she was going there, she was, you know, going to try to be as quiet as possible. So when she got to the front door of the dorm to put her key in, the door was propped open. So she's like, right, so she went in and then when she got to the, um, her room, you know, again, the door was unlocked, which was normal because, you know, she was out and she was, wouldn't make more noise. So she goes to open the door and she's like tiptoeing. I mean, like opens the door room's completely dark she's just grabbing whatever like by memory where she can find stuff and she was fortunate enough she had just come back from from this break she hadn't really unpacked so she just grabbed her bag Mm -hmm. and just like and even scribbled a note with in the dark out and took off right and left so jenny met back with her friends and they're all ready to go to this cabin when all of a sudden they realize um Basically, the whole thing fizzles out because of two reasons. One, no one was in the right mind to drive because they were all drunk. <laughs> two, no one had a car. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes. So well, instead, like you that out <laughs> Jenny crashes at these folks' place, you know, and the next morning they go grab breakfast. And then she makes her way back to the room. And when she reaches the dorm, you know, the door is locked. She you know, opens the door, gets into the room. And when she opens the door, the room's still dark which is odd to her. And she realizes that the shades and the windows are... Are drawn. Are drawn and there's like... It's darker than normal. Right. So she turns on the light switch and then the next thing you hear echoing throughout the campus is a blood-curdling scream. Aww. 
Mary's lifeless body is covered with blood and is on the bed. Oh. Jenny, who's just entered the doorway, hits the back of the wall and slumps down. As she's slumping down, she looks up and on the wall, written in blood up at the top of the ceiling, says, you're lucky you didn't turn the lights on. Oh my gosh. She again, blood curling scream. I feel like I've heard like the last bit of that, but the rest of it, wow. So the story went on that a homeless man had entered, had entered the, the, the door through the yeah. prop wind door. Oh, now I feel like I know this one. And it was going from room to room trying to get in to just burgle, to, to rob. Um, and of course, Mary had left her room unlocked, surprised Mary while she was asleep, and then killed her. So again, this story freaked me out. Right. Yeah. And I and we have there's no internet. Like I can't look up it on Snopes. There's nothing <laughs> like that. You know, there's no internet sites. So the only way you can do is go to the library and like look up stuff. Right. Well, guess what? Oh, no. it's not real, is it? So, in between there, there was a murder at Lehigh. I'm gonna go through that. And when I went to um, my orientation, which was later in May, I don't know when it happened. At some point, I basically. Uh, talk to my host right basically and say like so what happened with the girl that got murdered and he's like yeah no that happened and i was like what and he's like yeah yeah she was murdered holy um holy. and uh and i was like oh my god i heard the story like this home and he's like it wasn't a homeless man so here's what happened two years before i went to college freshman jean cleary was murdered in her dorm room at oh. lehigh university Another student had raped and murdered her. Oh, my God. During the winter break, he was breaking into rooms that were, because he was there, and he just happened to break in when she was there. And it, that murder changed campuses and rules on campus uh, immensely. So the family like sued Lehigh, did all these other things. So what changed because of it was from then, then on, they had to report all crimes on campus because what was found out later was that there were there were issues on lehigh's campus and i mean like it was just before the murder yeah and, and it was just wow. Lehigh. it's like all over the place there were um attempted sexual assault rape like other things you know like uh muggings all this other stuff by other students if not also by just outsiders right so that changed uh you had to report those and then security used to just be you know whoever right <laughs> oh, so yeah. that also started to change where they started to actually have um hired security guards or um real police like here you know in harvard they actually have their own police um and then dorm security changed as well the way it changed then from then on was that the root the door to the outside was always locked of course that was was supposed to be then the doors to every floor would be locked and then of course your room would be locked and the way they were going towards was moving from keys was keys where you're one, only your key. So if you had a first floor key, it would it would open the outside. It would only open the first floor uh, door, and it would only open your room. And then it could, by as time went, I think by the time I graduated, we actually had cards that hmm. would you'd slide your card, and that would you had to have a card that would let you through in, and that would also tell you who was coming, who wasn't oh, coming, and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, others also checking in if you had guests, you had to do all these other things, um, but. During my freshman year, that story would be discussed. Like, I just remember we were talking about this, and all of a sudden, all my friends were like, no, 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 that happened in Minnesota. No, 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 that happened in Michigan. No, 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 that happened in, uh, you know, Iowa, wherever it was. Um, And 
the the Gene Cleary thing though was uh, it, it became the basis of an urban legend, but that wasn't the first time that sto- the story was told. The first Whoa. story was in 1981 by a guy named Jan Harald Brunvand. That was the guy I put a picture of on the thing. He oh. wrote a book called The Vanishing Hitchhiker, which was just a collection of folklore. I feel like I've heard of that, yeah. yeah. And in one, there's one chapter called The Roommate's Death, and it's that um, story about the mm. lights being being put on. See, like the that. one that I know that's like that is pretty much like the same thing. Like they heard about like this like murder happening, like these murders going on and the, they were like, Oh yeah, the murder is a guy in a wheelchair. And so the two roommates were like, Oh, like good thing we're on the second floor or whatever. And then like, turns out like one of them ended up getting murdered and then like the murder left a note like, Oh yeah, I climbed or something. It was weird, but that's not as good as yours. No, but that, that, I, mean, I do remember that, that story was told and it was always about, and we all felt like idiots, of course. I mean, I'm glad I went to orientation for them because that guy like set me straight instead of like in a large place. Because I, I just remember one day when I don't even know what it was. It was early on. We we're all sitting around and somebody brought up the story about, did you hear about the story in Lehigh? And they started going through and I was just like, I'm not going to say anything. And people were like, no, it wasn't Lehigh. It was this. And that's when I was like, actually, guys, it, you know, I, this happened in Lehigh. It's not that story, but that's just an urban legend. But so for all you seniors, you, you know, inert. keep your lights on. Oh my God. Yeah, kill the planet. <laughs> so there you go. There's my urban legend. That was a good one. All right, cool. I Thanks. hadn't really heard, like, I heard bits and pieces of that one, but wow. Cool. All right. So for fun facts this week, we were just kind of going through this because, uh, the both stories were kind of interesting. So I think the the one thing about that the Barrowland mm-hmm. um, ballroom was that uh, you know like after all that stuff had happened, of course it got a bad rap because yeah. people were dying, and well, of course, of also the underbelly of like maybe the swingers clubs that were going on <laughs> in there. But um, it actually then got con- changed into a major concert venue, mm-hmm. and it was used for a whole bunch of bands. A whole bunch of bands also. Um, when they were still first starting out, played that venue in Glasgow. Um, the uh, actually Simple Minds filmed a video in mm. in the ballroom. Wow! But Oasis, U two, The Stranglers, The Clash, The Smiths, they all Foo Fighters, they all played at the Barrowland. Whoa! Um, and then the other part of the Barrowland was a was a pub, the the Barrowlands two that they kept through. So as a venue, um, it was uh, it's still there now, and it's basically a, i think it's like 2100 seats or 2100 people can fit so not a little bad venue but um i wonder if people realize what i mean granted nothing happened on the premises that's true but, there, but it's but, still very famous but there's one artist that, that i i she's actually i believe she's got it. her name's uh, amy mcdonald that i have her album and i have this album it's called this is the life and she actually has a song called the barrowland ballroom oh um, i saw that on the page but i didn't know we yeah. so that i mean i know you have a song in mind but you might want to listen to that one too <laughs> to see if that might be your song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one I was going to say is just uh, Jan Harald Brunvon, the guy who I was saying who wrote that roommate story. He's basically the father of the urban legend because he studied folklore and then he wrote all these books about it. But he and he's still alive. But people, you know, he's he's one of those folks that people think he's just a populist on stories versus the um, history of these stories. So his whole point is that these are all true in some way, but. Um, you know, stories are story. So, so you know, there you go. Those are a couple things there. Those are some good fun facts. There you go. All right. Well, Why don't you close up? 
All right. So if you think you can do better than that, uh, then feel free to send us your own fun facts at our Gmail, which is everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please send us stories that are, your, that are suggestions, like Jackie suggested my story this time, and it ended up being such a good story. Uh, and also, if you have experienced a story, if you've grown up with an urban legend like this one, uh, if you know someone who has, then send them to us. We would love, love, love to read them. Uh, and also, you can submit these things through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. We also post visuals from every episode there, so you can go see those. Uh, we have other fun stuff, so check that out. Uh, you can also follow our social media. Our Instagram is at everythinginpodcast. Our Twitter is at between underscore podcast. And we have a Facebook page and group both by the name Everything In Between Podcast. So join those, follow those. We post uh, the new episode announcements with uh, images that we make every week. So you can see those, uh, say hi, all that fun stuff. And uh, also, oh, wait. <laughs> Don't forget, uh, rate. Um, rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps. Uh, and it's just great. And also... Uh, we have a Spotify playlist. Yeah, we do. And you, um, I know it's still in the link of an Instagram bio or no? Yes, it is in our you Instagram You should definitely bio. listen to it. I know. We're, I was just looking at Amy McDonald. That album specific is not on Spotify, so we can't use that song. So you're going to have to go with your original, which All is right, still good. I'll it's a good it. song. It is a good song. Yeah, so um, but so yeah. you have to listen now because now i got to see what song Emma <laughs> They probably already know. Well, the title. But yeah, um, but yeah, so you can listen to the songs that we chose for each of our topics every episode. So yeah, you can see sort of how it represents it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's about it so uh other than that see you next week yeah remember go liverpool wednesday yes barca so hopefully you know when this gets out you'll know we'll be you know yeah cheering for it three o'clock eastern standard time (laughs) (laughs) see you next week bye